Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're tuned in to CFRC 101.9 FM, broadcasting from Lower Carothers Hall on Queen's campus in Kingston, Ontario. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, and you're listening to Kingston Currents. CFRC's news programming is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the local journalism initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and the Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. In today's episode, we'll be getting into some updates from last week's City Council meeting, an interview with Jeremy Larder, director of Who's Your Father screening at KCFF this weekend, and some messages from the City, SLC, and more. City Council has voted to move forward with next steps to build a new conference center downtown. The city will be providing the land valued at more than $11 million to the project for $1 for the creation of a quote, vibrant mixed-use development, end quote. The development will be on the Tragically Hip Way across the street from Slush Puppy Place and will include a conference center, hotel, and residential space. The motion included $50,000 for each competitor who submits a proposal. Once it is built, this is something that's going to serve a community from here on in, and it's going to be in our community for forever. So and that's why we need to make sure that we get the best possible proposal. With Tourism Kingston on board to split half the cost, the motion was amended to split that amount evenly between city reserves and municipal accommodation tax revenue, which is normally used to fund tourism-related projects. If we're able to get six, potentially six back, without having to pay the whole thing, I think that that's excellent. I support this fully. I think it's a really great compromise, um, and I really appreciate that Tourism Kingston's willing to to work with us. I mean, they're always a great partner, but um, I, I fully support this. Most of council was supportive of the motion. So this is, uh, I think, an important time for us to invest in our city, and this is an opportunity that's been coming for a long time. We, we, this is kind of like the maturing of our city. We have a beautiful arena. We have it. It's the synergy that we want to continue. When the arena was built in our downtown, and it is about uh, um, uh, a business synergy as well. And it's gonna, it's gonna complement everything that is there. So I would encourage us to. Uh, we heard tonight to support it. We heard tonight about the positive impact on the economy, and. And um, it's it's a, a like a tourism um, a tourism business cycle that we really want. So I, I really think that uh, this is something to support, and will be a, a great development for us all and for for the future. Thank you. We know that um, the convention center is, is greatly needed. That's one check mark. It's producing a number of houses. Another check mark. We've heard from a number of our businesses downtown that there is not enough parking. 169 parking spaces will be developed. Another check mark. And then obviously a hotel. And in, in my understanding and in, in talking to our accommodation partners, um, another hotel space is, is desperately needed in the downtown core. So another check mark. So we're hitting four major threshold marks uh, in moving forward with this industry uh, or this, this development uh, of this kind. So I'm in full favor of this it's going to create a lot of jobs uh, right from construction jobs straight through to when the convention center hotel are up and running um, i think this is a good move this is another step in our downtowns but specifically our core as a city growing in the right direction while most councillors were in favor of moving forward with the project some had concerns that this was not the best use of the city's resources from what we've seen over the last 
um, years since this council started is that we don't have a lot of city-owned land. You know, like in Toronto, they always talk about, okay, we're going to start being a builder of some affordable housing because we have all this extra land. In Kingston, it's really not the case. We do own this parking lot, though, that, you know, is now going to be a convention center. Um, the housing crisis is just getting worse. The affordability crisis is getting worse. And I just think, you know, uh, like it's just getting worse. And as we go forward with this convention center, I think this piece of land is better to hang on to and to think of something that could have some affordable housing units and not a convention center. Um, it's really the only land we have other than, you know, start building on some parking lots like the England parking lot downtown to put some affordable housing on. And um, I can't support this. Thank you. I have sort of two objections to this. Uh, one is I still have to go back to my constituents tomorrow and say the city is giving $250,000 potentially to a successful development firm that might get an $11 million piece of land. I, that's a hard thing for me to sell to my uh, my constituents. So I find that a bit problematic here, although I am encouraged the fact that Tourism Kingston did kick in 50%. That's great. Um, the second is, is just um, the message that in the midst of a housing crisis and climate crisis, we're building a convention center. I it doesn't sit well with me philosophically of the messages that we're sending out. Um, I can tell by the conversation around the table how excited everybody is. I realize I'm in the minority here and I'm fine with that. Uh, but just on that, those two philosophical grounds, I'm gonna not vote for this. Uh, but thank you for the great work Steph has done on this report. Thank you. City Council voted 10 to three in favor of moving forward with the project, with the next step being a request for proposals from all six developers who submitted expressions of interest last year. Great comments around the table. I appreciate Councillor Toza's comment. The only thing that I would say is that we can do more than one thing at once. So we can do a convention center, conference center, and a great mixed use development on this one parcel of city owned land. And we can also be very aggressive meeting housing targets, affordable housing, supportive housing, absolutely. So appreciate that comment, but um, to be clear, this is not an either or. Uh, this is a matter of when we have a strategic plan with 115 different initiatives, this is pushing forward one of those, but we're also gonna be able to push forward everything else as well. So I think it's a great opportunity. This is a very unique piece of land that has been talked about in this city for a very, very long time. And I am so anxious to see shovels in the ground and to be see something built finally next to Slush Puppy Place. I think it'd be a great addition to the downtown. So looking forward to seeing what uh, amazing designs and proposals come forward from the proponents uh, later, later on. Thank you very much. Coming up starting tomorrow, Kingston will once again be hosting the Kingston Canadian Film Festival the largest festival in the world dedicated exclusively to Canadian film. One of the films being screened will be Jeremy Larder's Who's Your Father, an East Coast comedy with a local connection, as Larder is now a resident of Prince Edward County. The Maritimer Mystery centers around Larry, a private investigator who ends up in the middle of a case involving compromising photos, blackmail, and black market lobster. I sat down with Larder to chat about the film and KCFF. Um, just to get us started, if you'd like to give a brief description of the film and what people can expect when they go see it at KCFF this year. Yeah, so the the film is called Who's Your Father? 
It's a comedy caper about a bumbling private investigator in Prince Edward Island, which is where I was born and raised, mm -hmm. uh, played by Chris Locke, um, who is hired to investigate black market lobster sales by a rich seafood tycoon. And while he's working that case, he meets Rhonda Perry, who's a local convenience store owner, who's trying to manifest a soft serve ice cream machine for her store. And uh, when Larry meets Rhonda, he kind of falls for her instantly. And Rhonda sort of sees Larry as a way to kind of get to her ice cream machine dreams. And the two of them kind of get way in over their heads. Um, and the film is kind of like a screwball comedy in a film noir mixed together in a blender. Um, so it's got a lot of like film noir tropes in it, kind of a playful uh, film noir aspect to it. And also it's just a really fun and sweet romantic movie as well. Yeah, definitely. I feel like PEI is the perfect setting. I'm also from out east, and I feel like everyone knows everyone, and everyone's a character. <laughs> so it's yeah, definitely absolutely. the perfect setting. Also, I mean, you mentioned you're from PEI, so I imagine that heavily factored into your inspiration behind this film. Just, you know, stories from growing up and everything. I was wondering if you could get into specifically how Who's Your Father came together, how long it had been in the works before. Yeah, so Who's Your Father... Um... The first incarnation of the script probably goes back to like 2015 or so when I was still in the middle of making a, a comedy web series called Just Passing Through. Um, that was kind of like a cult comedy uh, series in Canada for a while. So I kind of wrote a draft of the script then and then I put it away for a while for a few years and I made another film called Pogi Beach, um, which was a spinoff of Just Passing Through. And then I picked it up again during the pandemic in 2020. And this time, at first, it was just kind of like a very straight film noir script. And then it kind of became more of a screwball comedy as I was writing it. And actually, I had met Susan Kent um, from Trailer Park Boys in This Hour's 22 Minutes on another PEI project a few years prior. And I was really inspired by how brilliant she was uh, watching her work on that, that series called Wharf Rat. So... I basically started writing that Rhonda Perry character for Susan um, in 2020. Um, and then I took it to my producing partners, Jason Arsenault and Jenna McMillan, who uh, are both from PEI as well. And then we had applied to Telfilm for production funding in 2021. So, you know, going back, you know, it's a long ways from the first draft of the script, but since I started kind of working on it again, the second time it, it was a fairly fast, um, for a film, for Canadian film, for fairly fast transition from script to funding to production to release of the movie. Just about three years. Um, so, yeah, the movie's also filled with, like, tons of stuff from my life growing up in PEI. I worked on a wharf um, mm -hmm. on the island just about 10 minutes from where I grew up. I played golf there as a kid. Um, a lot of the locations are within, like, a five-minute drive of my parents' house <laughs> where I grew up. <laughs> and some of them are actually next door to my parents' house. Um, so a lot of it of the North shore community that I grew up in is, is kind of infused in the movie. Yeah, definitely. And how was filming? I mean, the weather in the trailer looked beautiful. It looked like such a beautiful place to shoot. And it also just sounded like he had a fun cast. It sounded like a good vibe on set. Oh yeah, it was, it was, mm -hmm. it was a ball. I, I loved working with, um, with the cast. Like the cast is incredible. Chris and Susan together just have this magical chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of why, why they were cast together because they just, they're both brilliant, smart, funny people and also storytellers in their own right. So they were just a lot of fun to work with and they got along great. Um, and then Jess Salguero and uh, Cagnetio Horn 
in it from Letterkenny and uh, Jesses and Fraser. So there was just like an incredible cast. It was beautiful. We got very lucky with weather and a lot of the, half of this movie is outside, um, <laughs> which is always a gamble in the shooting on the East coast in summertime, even um, that you're going to get really beautiful days, but we did luckily. So yeah, it was just a lot of fun and um, production is very short. It only had, you know, it's years before and years after usually, and the production only takes about a month. So I always try to enjoy mm -hmm. The producing uh the production part of it as much as possible yeah definitely and describing that and also i just like to ask you have any favorite memories from when you were behind the scenes oh geez yeah i mean every day there weren't very many easy scenes to shoot in this movie there was always some sort of a complication whether it was like vehicles or night scenes or ice cream cones i mean we shot there's a scene with chris and susan at a, at a like a beautiful neon uh dairy bar at night um and they were eating ice cream in the scene and uh that was kind of, because they were just losing it i mean because the ice cream had to be brought in for a new one for every take and uh chris and susan were just like eating so much ice cream it was insane um <laughs> soft serve ice cream and then they were just kind of cracking up chris was sort of making susan laugh by kind of getting ice cream all over his face while he's doing the scene um and she just couldn't she couldn't hold it together um, but that was a, that was a fun one. Um, and another night that we were shooting next door to my parents' house at night, we were shooting the, like this burial scene, and uh, there was a vehicle involved. And my dad actually came out and told us to quiet down. <laughs> so that was to keep You're it like, down. Oh my gosh, there. it's like I'm back. After. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm 16 years old again, and and uh -huh. you know playing music too loud in my parent in my bedroom or something. Um, so that was that was a fun fun memory. But it was it was honestly it was just a kind of a joyful experience which is what you kind of hope for and want when you're making a comedy because you want that good feeling to carry through in the movie yeah definitely i feel like whatever's happening behind the scenes definitely bleeds through on film so i'm glad it was such a good energy behind the scenes um and this is not the first time this film has been screened and opened at atlantic international film festival and is now on paramount plus as well which is really exciting how has the audience reaction been so far Oh, it's been incredible. It, more than I could have ever hoped for. Um, we had a great premiere in Halifax and then it's played, it was re released theatrically after that as well. And Chris and Susan and I and, and producer Jenna McMillan toured the movie around to different cities on the East Coast, um, which was an incredible experience. I feel very lucky and fortunate to have done that. And because we got to meet so many really fun, great people on the road who were really into the movie. And I've seen the movie now in probably half a dozen places or more. And it's fun to see how the audience reacts in the same way from city to city. It little There's little differences. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, people in PEI might react a little bit differently to certain things than people in Toronto. But mm -hmm. uh, overall, like the movie, the response from the audience is very similar, which is kind of a gratifying feeling to, to know that the movie seems like it works and, and people are really into it. And I think the thing that, besides the laughs, which... Kind of happened from start to finish it's people seem to get really invested in the characters more so than i thought they would um i hope they would but but they seem to be very invested in the characters and larry and Rhonda's story which is really fun and and um interesting to see how much they really care about them by the end of the movie um you know like there's a couple of screens we had people actually like yelling at the screen <laughs> at certain moments <laughs> <laughs> like when the villain like some villainous characters are doing some bad things and people are like no don't do it um which is really fun uh we, we, yeah so, I, so people just get really engaged with it so i've been really happy and i'm really really thrilled to be able to watch the movie in kingston and see and, and and feel that kingston crowd and see how they they react to it especially with the comedy because 
it's a real communal experience and, and watching comedy together is I think the best way to watch a comedy. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree there. And I'm surprised you said the reaction was really similar. I was curious, like if maybe the East coast audiences had any difference from like Ontario or just in little ways, like, like the, mm -hmm. the, the, the big moments all seem to get a very similar reaction, but like, yeah. yes, there'll be like people from PEI uh, for sure. There'll be certain East coast things that will hit Islanders more or hit uh, Maritimers more um, little nuances of, of, but I also find that uh, people who aren't from the East coast or don't have a connection to the East coast also get a real kick out of mm -hmm. some of the Atlantic Canadian expressions. And there's a lot of like, there's lingo from the East coast throughout um, that they probably haven't heard those expressions before. So they get like a really fun, like new reaction to it. Um, like just like, yeah, some expressions that East coasters might take for granted, but people from Ontario haven't heard before. So that, so that like, there are different little nuances between the crowd reaction, uh, for sure. But the big moments kind of get a very similar reaction. Definitely. Well, looking forward to have a Kingston audience watch. Well, I've heard great things. I, I've heard so many great things about Kingston, like uh, from people who I have friends who go to the screening room a lot and mm -hmm. uh, and people who've been connected to like to the arts community there. And and being someone who's just down, down the road from Kingston now, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to to be there and uh, and get to meet some people from from Kingston. Awesome. Yeah, it's true. Kingstonians love their films. I'm very excited for the screening. So the first screening on March 1st is sold out. And the second one, tickets are going quick. How are you feeling walking into KCFF next week? Oh, I mean, I'm feeling great. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I love Q&As. I mean, I really love mm -hmm. Q&As. And um, you just never know what people are going to ask. Every single Q&A has had different questions that I have never would never expect. Um, so I'm really excited to be there in Kingston. Um, a, a film festival crowd is a different type of crowd, too. Like, there's, there's a lot of cinephiles and and um in film buffs so I, i'm and i think this is a real film buffs movie too because it's an interesting mix of genres so i'm really i'm really excited for the screening in uh in kingston awesome yeah definitely i was gonna say definitely a mix of genres we got comedy i would argue crime drama you don't mess with maritimer's lobster <laughs> no like... you don't no absolutely <laughs> but no you're right you don't mess with the maritimer's lobster at all and, and so in the music i have to say that the mm -hmm. the the soundtrack for the film is incredible. Almost all Canadian artists. Um, wow. The band, band Zeus is some a band that some people might know. Michael Rolt. Mm -hmm. It's just got a great uh, Canadian indie soundtrack. And there's a lot of food in this movie. And a, and a seafood chowder mm -hmm. recipe that is pretty second to none. So if you're into seafood chowder, you might want to just bring a pen and paper to the screening and write down this chowder recipe. Okay, noted. That's that's your tidbit. Bring your pen and paper and get ready to get that recipe. Awesome stuff. Anyone who doesn't like food and music, then I don't know what yeah. you So if you don't like food and music and love and romance and funny shenanigans, then yeah, it's probably not for you. But if you like any of those things, I think it's the right movie. Awesome stuff. And um, I mean, of course, you're probably all wrapped up in all the screenings of this movie and it being out on Paramount Plus and all these this big news. But what's next for you? Well, um, now, uh, you know, we're, the movie's still going and we're still promoting that, but I'm, I'm working on a few other scripts. So I'm trying to write my next feature right now. So I've got a few different things that I'm developing. And, uh, you know, because of how long it takes, like if, if I work fast now, then maybe my next film will be done and ready in three years, hopefully. So, <laughs> so which feels like a long way down the road. So I, I'm trying to, to write as, as well and as quickly as I can to get the next one going. 
Once again, that was Jeremy Lerner on his film, Who's Your Father?, which will be screening at KCFF this weekend. Both screenings at the festival this weekend are sold out, but the film is also available to watch on Paramount+. Before we get into more local news, I'm turning to our weather and traffic report for this evening. Tonight, we're expecting showers ending this evening, then mainly cloudy skies with a 40% chance of showers later and overnight. Showers will be beginning before morning. There is a risk of thunderstorm. Winds will be 20 km per hour gusting to 40 and we have a low of 7. Looking forward to tomorrow, we're expecting rain showers changing to flurries late in the afternoon. There's a risk of thunderstorm in the morning and early in the afternoon. Winds will be 30 km per hour gusting to 50. We have a high of 9 with temperature falling to 0 in the afternoon. UV index is 1 or low. For tomorrow night, we're expecting snowy and windy conditions. We'll have a low of minus 12. Now it's time for your CFRC weekly traffic report. Reduced load restrictions are in effect in Kingston as of February 26th. Heavy trucks and loads are restricted on city roads where posted. These restrictions help reduce damage to roads in the spring. PSPC wishes to advise motorists of an alternating lane closure on LaSalle Causeway for major rehabilitation until April. During this period, one lane will be closed and one lane will remain open for alternating traffic. Motorists should expect short delays. Access will be maintained for pedestrians and cyclists. PSPC encourages users to exercise caution when traveling over the bridge and thanks them for their patience. In road closures, University Avenue Union to Earl is closed until the end of May for the Queen's JDOC project. In parking disruptions, the Hanson Memorial Parking Structure Restoration Project is now underway. The work will take place throughout all levels of the building and will include efforts such as routine structural maintenance, repainting, replacement of waterproofing materials, and upgrades to the building's electrical and mechanical systems. The work is planned to end in late December 2024. The work will be completed in phases to allow the building to remain open to public parking for the duration of the project. It is anticipated that no more than 50% of the available 271 parking spaces will be closed at any time. There is also parking availability at the Chown Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages in the two adjacent blocks to the west. In other delays, Queen Street, Montreal to Sydenham expect an eastbound lane closure until April 1st, 2024. Detours will be in place for the duration of the closure. St. Lawrence College is pleased to be hosting the Eastern Ontario Skills Competition on Tuesday, February 27th in Cornwall and the Limestone City Competition in Kingston on Thursday, February 29th. Hundreds of students in grades 7 to 12 will participate in challenges that demonstrate their talent and passion for the skilled trades. Students from area school boards will compete at SLC applying various skills in automotive, welding, small-powered equipment, computer-aided design, aesthetics, culinary, hairstyling, carpentry, plumbing, and more. In addition to competitions, skills demonstrations in forestry and brick and stonemasonry will be held in Kingston. Daniel Lau, Dean of Applied Science and Technology and Trades at SLC, states, quote, The skills competition events is a fantastic occasion to celebrate the skilled trades while engaging with young students on our campuses. 
Hosting these events is an excellent opportunity to showcase the wide array of possibilities available at SLC for students interested in pursuing careers in the skilled trades." End quote. Competing students demonstrate their talent and creativity with specific tasks to perform or scenarios to complete within a specific time frame and are judged by industry specialists. Industry leaders will also be on campus with exhibitor booths to further engage the students. Successful competitors will have the opportunity to represent their school boards at the Skills Ontario Regional Qualifying Competitions, which will also be held at SLC in April of 2024 and at the provincial competitions in May held in Toronto. SLC President and CEO states, quote, I want to thank our school board partners for their enthusiastic engagement. We're proud to demonstrate the opportunities within skilled trades to our region's high school students, particularly with the pressing need for skilled workers. These events serve as a crucial platform to connect aspiring talent with the programs we offer both in Cornwall and Kingston, end quote. For more information about the competition, you can visit skillsontario.com. In a message from the City of Kingston, Kingston property owners are reminded that interim property tax bills are due on Thursday, February 29th. Property taxes are an important source of revenue for a city and allow for the delivery of essential services. Residents who have not received their bill or who are interested in learning more about and enrolling in the city's pre-authorized payment plan may contact the city by calling 613-546-0000 Monday to Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Failure to receive your bill does not excuse property owners from payment or from penalties for late payment. Learn more about property taxes at cityofkingston.ca slash tax. Cannonball Crushing Kingston is back. St. Lawrence Parks Commission, SLPC, is excited to welcome Cannonball Crush back to Fort Henry in Kingston on Saturday, June 8, 2024. This year, racers will be challenged to a brand new course route and new historic-themed obstacles, making for the most obstacles the race has seen before. Cannonball Crush is an exciting and limit-testing 5km race, with 20 obstacles which take strength, determination, and team spirit to overcome. Only those who crush these challenges and cross the finish line can claim to have conquered the fort. Designed for 18-plus racers of all fitness levels, the race will take place on Saturday, June 8th, in advance of YGK Craft Beer Fest, where Cannonball Crush winners will receive complimentary admission. Racers can compete alone or in teams, facing this year's new obstacles and returning favorites such as the giant slip and slide. For those eager to crush this uphill battle, registration has opened, with discount early bird pricing effective until March 28, 2024. Competitors are encouraged to register early to guarantee their spot. Regular pricing runs March 29th to May 31st, 2024, and registration will not be available on the day of the event. To learn more, you can visit cannonballcrush.ca. Yesterday, the City of Kingston released a statement regarding encampment safety. The message states the following. Kingston Fire and Rescue, exercising powers under Section 15 of the Fire Protection and Prevention Act, removed a tent in Bell Park because it was required to remove or reduce an immediate threat to life. Fire officials consulted with Ontario's Office of the Fire Marshal prior to taking the action. Removal of the tent is not related to enforcement of the Parks Bylaw prohibition on daytime camping in parks. Under the Act, fire inspectors who believe a risk of fire poses an immediate threat to life have the authority to enter on land or premises and remove anything that may constitute a fire menace, or take any action urgently required to remove or reduce the threat to life. Since February 6, 2024, fire inspectors have taken steps to remove or reduce immediate threats to life at this particular tent on three separate occasions. In that same period, they've taken action to remove or reduce immediate threats to life at the Bell Park encampment approximately 24 separate times. 
Deputy Fire Chief Kevin Donaldston states, quote, this is a safety issue and the well-being of those who use this tent remains our biggest concern. Fire officials have previously removed a number of devices that pose danger when used inside this flammable tent, including wood stoves and propane tanks, end quote. Support workers, including a child welfare service worker and staff from the city's housing and social services department, were on site and available to assist anyone affected by the removal of this tent, including offering storage options for belongings and transportation. That is all things current in Kingston for this week. Thank you for listening to CFRC's local news programming, brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. Stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What Will I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats and sunglasses, everything to complete your individual look. What Will I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What Will I Wear.